This is a case about a young mother in Kentucky who disappeared over a busy 4th of July holiday weekend. Because my daughter would have never left and left that baby. She would not have done that. She would not have just disappeared and left all of her kids. Her family never giving up in the search to find Crystal Rogers. I've never, from the minute my daughter went missing, thought that she was still alive. Then, 16 months after Crystal Rogers disappeared without a trace, more tragedy. Her father, who had been investigating her disappearance, was shot and killed. I wouldn't listen because I knew who shot my husband. You know, that they knew. You think that the two are connected? Very, 100%. 100% connected. Before we dive into the case, I want to remind you, as always, that this is for mature audiences. I also want to thank investigators for writing reviews on Apple Podcasts and sharing the episodes. It's a way for you to be a part of the investigation, and it really helps independent podcasts like this one get noticed. You know that we're up against networks, things like that. Now, after this episode, I have a shout out for an investigator who wrote a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. But first, the case of Crystal Rogers. Investigators, you're on deadline. From the Hollywood Hills to your ear holes, this is True Crime Deadline. A podcast discussing cold cases, murder mysteries, and completely random thoughts. Now, here's your host, a man who stands in front of crime scene tape and talks on the TV box for a living, Mr. Mystery himself. Matt Johnson. Investigators, thank you for joining me for this episode, The Disappearance of Crystal Rogers. It's a case that's absolutely shocking when you dive into it and had to be part of this limited season three. This is also the last episode of season three. But don't worry, we'll be back. We'll have more throughout the year. Follow us on social media, truecrimedeadline.com, and also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So this is one of those cases that actually helped spark the idea of this podcast in the first place. The disappearance of Crystal Rogers, just one of many unsolved cases in the Kentucky town of Bardstown. In fact, the FBI has a whole website with case information that outlines the roadside murder of off-duty Bardstown canine officer Jason Ellis, who was shot to death on the BG, the Bluegrass Parkway, on May 25th, 2013 as he attempted to clear branches off the road. A year later, on April 22, 2014, Kathy and Samantha Netherland, a special education teacher, and her 16-year-old daughter were tied up, tortured, stabbed, and shot inside their Bardstown home. The following year, on July of 2015, Crystal Rogers is reported missing. Her father, Tommy Ballard, started investigating the case, formed search parties, and what he called Team Crystal, just to get answers, to find his daughter. Then on November 19, 2016, he was shot and killed while hunting with his grandson on family-owned land. His family thinks all, or some of these unsolved cases, are connected. Um, I'm... Uh, Sherry Ballard, uh, Crystal Rogers that's missing is my daughter. Recently, I spoke with Tommy's widow, Crystal Rogers' mom, Sherry Ballard. Thank you for making time to talk about your daughter and your husband in the case. You're welcome. First off, tell me about your daughter. 
She, my daughter was a mother of five beautiful kids. Um, she was a very, very likable person. Um, she had a big heart, you know, a huge heart. Um, she tried to help everyone. You know, she was just very, very easy to get along with. Um, how is the family holding up? Um, we're, we're hanging in there as best as we can. Very hard, very hard time of year too. Right, because we're doing this interview right before Christmas, just a few days before. On July 5th, 2015, mother of five, Crystal Rogers, was reported missing by her mother. Police believe that she was last seen two days before on July 3rd. The same day that she was reported missing, her red Chevy Impala was found abandoned with a flat tire on mile marker 14 on the BG, the Bluegrass Parkway in Bardstown. Her keys, her purse, her cell phone, all inside. So tell me about July 5th, 2015. Actually, backtrack. Tell me about July 3rd, 2015. That's the last time that Crystal had been seen by somebody, right? Yes, sir. Um, she was seen coming out of Walmart, and that was on video, you know, footage that they had. Um, my granddaughter messaged me, um, and she was looking for her mom. All the older kids had went to like their grandparents or like their dads or something, and they weren't with my daughter that night. And Callie had come back to get some, she was gonna get some clothes, so she was looking for her mom. And Crystal never messaged her back. Well, Callie messaged me to see if I'd heard from her, and I hadn't heard from her. So, you know, I didn't make a big deal out of it. I just text my daughter and, I'm like, hey, Callie's trying to get in touch with you. Can you call her back? And, you know, I left it at that. I didn't think anything more about it. Um, it's unusual that she didn't message the kids back. But at the time, I just thought, you know, it's the 4th of July. She might be at a party and don't hear her phone. You know, maybe it's dead or something like that. So I didn't panic about that. And later on, Callie messaged me back again. And I said, you didn't talk to your mom? She said, no, she's not called me back. Then I kind of got a little nervous because that's not like my daughter at all. You know, she always answered the kids' phone calls. And so I started kind of the next morning. I, well, I, you know, I tried to call Crystal. I text her back and she still didn't answer. And I still didn't panic a lot. But the next morning when no one had heard from her then, I started making a lot of phone calls and no one that my daughter would have talked to <laughs> had heard from her at that time. So yeah. what time is this happening where her daughter is not able to get a hold of her? Gosh, I say it was probably 6 7 o'clock at night. And I'm trying to remember, you know, it's been six years. So, um, but it was later in the evening. Um, so what time was Walmart? That was like five something, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So um, she goes off the grid, um, not heard of, after five, after she's seen in Walmart. And what were yeah. the plans for, you mentioned that it's 4th of July weekend. What are the plans um, that you know about? Who was she meeting up with? What was going on in her life in that moment, that weekend? 
As far as I know myself, I didn't know she had any plans. Um, a friend of hers said that she had messaged her and said that her and Brooks were having a date night and she didn't have any kids. But I don't know who kept her baby because as far as I know, her baby was with her. Um, I don't know that she did not have that baby with her because she didn't leave him with a lot of people. You know, because Brooks was the daddy and, and they were together. So, you know, she didn't leave that baby hardly anywhere. The only place she would have left him was me or Brooks's sister or my mom. That's the only place, you know, a couple babysitters here or there that my daughter trusted, but not very often did she leave him anywhere else. Okay, so you bring up Brooks. If someone's not familiar with this story, who is he? Yes, I apologize. Brooks Houck is my daughter's, um, he was my daughter's living boyfriend. He was the father of her two-year-old baby. Um, they were trying to build a life together. How was that going? Were they getting along? Um, no, my daughter was um, very, very upset about some things that had happened. And she was actually planning to leave. Um, she had done talk to my youngest daughter about this. And I had known that she had went to the store where she used to work at. It's like a Minute Mart. And she was trying to rent the upstairs building of that. And she was going to live in there with the kids and get her old job back. Because she quit that job to go to work for Brooks doing his paperwork and all of his rental property. Because uh, Brooks is in construction or he's a leasing person or what does he do? He's in construction. He builds homes and he does have rental property. Okay. So she's working with him. Um, you're, you said that, you know, she had mentioned to you that it's not going well. She was going to separate from him. She was probably going to leave the job too. Did he know that? She told my youngest daughter that uh, she hadn't physically told me she's leaving. Her son told me, but, you know, I, I didn't hear it from her. So I, I knew they weren't getting along real good, but she hadn't physically told me that she was leaving. She did my youngest daughter. And she told some people, maybe that got back to him if she hadn't mentioned it to him already. And um, then they have this possible uh, alone time together. Um, scheduled for the weekend. We don't know. Then she's reported missing and her car is found. So let's get back to that part of the timeline. What do you know about that part? The next day on a Saturday, when I started calling, you know, to look for my daughter, nobody had heard from her. And my son and his wife had just got back from Green River. They camped there and they stopped by my house, you know, and I, I was starting to panic. I was getting very, very upset. Um, I told my husband, I said, there's something wrong. I know it. I just know it. She would have called me back. And my husband was trying to calm me down. And he told me, he said, you go to the police department and you file a missing persons report. And me and Casey, which was my son, will go look for her. So that's what they did. And I went to the police department. On my way to the police department, I passed Brooks out. And my daughter's oldest daughter was with me. And I told her, I said, will you please call him and tell him to pull over because I was driving. And she did. And he pulled over at the gas pumps at Walmart. And I got out of my car and I walked over there to his truck and he rolled the passenger window down. And I told him, I said, have you seen Crystal? And he said, no. 
And I said, well, what did y'all get into a fight or something? And he said, well, he said, she had a little hizzy. He said, you know, she was saying, I treated her kids different than Eli, which is their child they shared together. And he said, I can see where she gets that. And I said, but you haven't seen her? And he said, no. And has he told me that, the baby peeked around the back seat and looked at me and smiled. And and I knew the minute I saw that baby in the truck with him that it was definitely something serious. Why? Why would that matter to you or stick out to you? Because my daughter would have never left and left that baby. She would not have done that. She would not have just disappeared and left all of her kids. If she got mad at Brooks and, and left, she would have took that baby with her. Because I'm assuming like she took care of the baby all day, every day. She, she went to court proceedings for Brooks' house with his rental and she took that baby to court with her sometimes. She was very, very, very hands-on with that baby. So you have this discussion with him over at the Walmart and you see the baby and now, you know, you're getting even more nervous because you're like, something's wrong. Yeah, and you know, I told him, I said, I'm gonna go to the police department and file a missing persons report. And he looked at me like I was talking about somebody off the streets, like he didn't have a care in the world. And he said, I think that's what you should do. He never offered to go with me, not one time. And yeah, I that went, would be like what you would think that someone would say is, okay, I'll go with you, you know? Yeah. Or what would you like me to do? Do I need to go search for her somewhere? Like Nothing. He said nothing. He just said, I think that's what you should do. And he drove away. So when do they find the car? That was a Saturday night. Um, was it Saturday or Sunday when I filed a missing persons report? It may have been Sunday when I did. I'm sorry. It's hard for me to remember dates. And but when I went to the police department and filed a missing persons report, um, my husband's very well known in Barstown. He he was a very respectful person and um, he built homes for a living too. And he knew a lot of people. Well, word got out, you know, that my daughter was missing and, you know, we had a lot of family and people just started showing up at the police department to help us. And that's the day that we found out that her car was missing. And then um, do they start a search or did yourself or your husband find her car? Because it's her car that's found on Bluegrass Parkway, mile marker 14 in Bardstown. And it's a red Chevy Impala. And there are items found inside, correct? Yes, sir. And her car's more maroon than red. It's like a deep maroon color. Um, her stepson happened to be coming home from Elizabethtown that day, and he saw her car parked on the side of the BG. And he had heard, you know, that she was missing and we were looking for her. So he called his daddy, which my daughter was still legally married to. She was just separated from him. She had been for a while. Um, but they, their divorce was not legalized or anything like that. Um, she still had a very good relationship with him because she shared two children. So, you know, they got along okay with that. Um, so he calls my daughter and tells her, you know, that, or, I'm sorry, he calls 
the police department or my husband, maybe my son, one of the two, I'm sorry, it's confusing, but he calls them and tells them that her car was there. So they, we all go out on the BG Parkway and, you know, it's not that far from Bargetown and the police went out there and they tried to make us leave, but, you know, we wouldn't. And her keys, her purse, her cell phone was all still in her car. Have they been able to get any clues off of any, any of those items, the car, um, any prints or anything inside the car? Um, was there any prints on, I, I know that there's a flat tire. Was there anything near to let the air out of the tire? Did someone touch that on purpose? And then was there any, any clues on her cell phone? I, they had, they won't disclose all of that to me. Um, I think there was a couple prints found, but they're not telling me whose they were or anything like that on her car. Um, as far as her flat tire, she could have drove longer on that tire. And, you know, she was very close to an exit. So I can't see her pulling off the side of the road. She had a flat tire once on the BG and she called my husband for help. And um, she told him, she said, Daddy, when you get here, knock on the window so I know it's you because she was scared. So I can't see my daughter pulling off when she still had enough tire that she could have drove to an exit, you know, and went to someone's home. And she has her cell phone with her. She would have been able to call your husband. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, it's just it does not add up. That's not my daughter. When does your husband end up taking matters into his own hands? Because I remember seeing a documentary of you and of this case, and you put down on the kitchen counter an entire file box of things that he was looking into in this case. Yes, sir. My husband from day one, you know, we, we tried going to the sheriff's department and, you know, it's a small town sheriff here. And the sheriff at the time was not liking us being up there in his way. And, you know, we went up there every day because we were terrified, you know, that our daughter was not there. And so we, we, we were up there every day beating on their door, you know, telling them we wanted answers, do something, find our daughter. And I just wasn't happy. Plus I can say that. Um, so we got up our own search team. Um, we searched from almost like that night that I reported my daughter missing. We went on the BG on the farm behind where my daughter's car was. And we searched till like three o'clock in the morning. And then we searched from then on. We had so many people, you know, come and help us search. And my uncle and another real good, well, friend that I just met through this, they would start signing people in and telling them where to go. You know, and my husband was leading that, you know, trying to send people to different places that we thought maybe Brooks Hack would be associated with. So did you find any clues on your own in searching? We had so many people calling clues and we looked so much, you know, we had cadaver dogs come down. We did everything. And we had a lot of stuff from people that may have called in, you know, and my husband wrote everything down. He, he kept, like I said, we had a box full of stuff from people calling us and 
I kept that box, you know, we, we wouldn't part with that. Um, my husband wrote down everything, everything we did, every little clue he got. Um, and now that's in the hands of the FBI, right? Yes, sir. That's the only people I've ever given that to. Oxygen, when they came here, I wouldn't let them have the box, but they stayed here and they made copies or took pictures of everything. Um, I did let them do that. I just wouldn't let them take it out of my home. I remember that. And I thought that was really uh, very smart, you know, because then you have it with you and peace of mind for this investigation. To your husband, uh, Tommy is looking into the disappearance of your daughter. And at what point does tragedy strike again? We searched for my daughter, gosh, for four or five years. Um, very hard. Um, it's okay. Take your time. And, you know, you guys are doing everything in your power to try and get answers. And then... Where is he and what happens to him? My husband searched every day for my daughter. If he was not searching for her at night, he was online looking up. You know, he didn't have a Facebook, but he used mine. Um, and he would be messaging or calling. We had a group of people that helped us every weekend, nonstop. Even when some of the searching died down years later, they were always there whenever we called. And we just came up with the name Team Crystal for that because it was a group of like probably eight or nine people that, that were just always there. And he would either be calling them, you know, saying we need to search this or that. And then... You know, we talked to police and they KSP got involved, too, and they told us to be very careful that we're looking at a very dangerous situation. And why would Kentucky State Police say that? Well, the sheriff's Barstown sheriff's or Nelson County Sheriff's Department told us that I just meant that KSP had helped a little on the case. Sure. And they they were like. The, the sheriff's department was like, y'all need to be careful. You know, it, it's you're looking at a dangerous situation. And at the time, you know, you don't care. It's your daughter. You don't think about yourself. You just want to find her. And my husband told me once that he thought he was being followed. And he worked probably 20, 15 minutes away from Bargetown. He was building homes in a little town called Lebanon. And that's when he thought he was being followed when he went to Lebanon. And I told him, I said, well, you need to stay home. You know, and he told me, he said, Sherry, he said, I have to work. You know, I have to make a living. And, you know, he carried a gun. But I told him, I said, that gun may not always protect you. If someone's behind you and you don't see them, or if you're in one of them homes, you know, he built homes. He was in that home all by himself sometimes. And it just made me nervous that someone might come in the house while he's in there. And, um, but, and then one morning he went hunting with my, he took my grandson. He was actually going to take my other grandson hunting. And he had called him and so, but he did this all the time. You know, he hunted with the grandkids and my son. That was their weekend thing when hunting season was in. And 
so he took my grandson that lived here with me and they went to pick up my other grandson well my son was going too so they all four went together and my husband and my grandson that lived with us went on one part of the farm and my son and his son went on the opposite side of the farm which wasn't very far away and then that's when it happened is when um my husband got out of the truck and what happened um him and my grandson got out of the truck um he still had his lights on in his truck you know because they hadn't turned off yet and they were walking down the hill to get to their deer stand and that's when he was shot in the chest a fatal fatal gunshot and do we know who shot him i do <laughs> Um, I can't say that publicly because I can't accuse anyone, but, but I know who did it. Um, was it, um, was it the type of bullet that a hunter would use? Was it from a gun that a hunter would use? They haven't told me that. Um, you know, they don't know a lot about guns and bullets and all that, but they may have told me, I don't remember. I I wouldn't listen because I knew who shot my husband. You know, that they you think knew. that the two are connected. Very 100%. 100% connected. And do you think that the police believe that they're connected? Yes, 100%. Who has told you that? Um, law enforcement has told me that. And is it because he was getting too close and looking into the case? You know, that's what a lot of people say, that they think my husband had come up on something and he was close. Um, he posted on his Facebook and told Team Crystal to get ready that we were going to a certain destination. And I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Um, I think, honestly, my opinion, I think that Brooks Hout knew that my husband was never never gonna leave this alone and let he knew we were gonna do everything we could to find our daughter is brooks a suspect not in my husband's case but he is the only suspect in my daughter's is he considered a person of interest or is he officially named a suspect by investigators he's officially named a suspect in my daughter's case by the nelson county sheriff's department so did he know where your husband would hunt? Yes, sir. Definitely. Um, my son, my son used to, he, he built a barn back there because he bought some of that land from us. And he would have like a cookout at night and my daughter and Brooks would go over there. And Brooks has actually rode around that farm before with my grandson on, on the four-wheeler you know, he knew he knew the area. He had rode around it. They knew my husband went hunting and my son, you know, every, on Saturdays, on deer season, the whole weekend. That was not a secret to Brooks Howe. Your husband is killed and they don't give you much of an explanation as to who did it. No one comes forward and says, I was hunting and this is a big accident. I am. I am so sorry. I condolences. I'll do anything that I can for your family. Nothing mm -hmm. normal happens for you in the closure of, of this with this second major tragedy 
with now your husband who was investigating the disappearance of your daughter, right? I called a police commissioner at the time because I was furious because they they called it a hunting accident. And, and I was furious. I told him, I said, you know, this is no hunting accident. You know, it's not. And the police commissioner told me, he said, well, if someone had come back later that was hunting and said, you know, that they were hunting and we said it was a homicide, then we could get sued for that. Well, I did not care about that at the time. I was so furious. And I, I'm, I still don't agree with that. I, I don't see how they could do that, but I was very upset. Where does his in where does that investigation stand? Is it still an open investigation? Is it still considered a hunting accident, even though it was it clearly not self-inflicted and no other hunter has come forward saying that they made a major fatal mistake? So where does that stand? Yeah, they they know it was a murder. Uh, They're investigating it as a murder. Uh, KSP has my husband's case. The FBI has my daughter's, but they don't officially have my husband's. But anything that comes up, because they know it's connected. So anything that comes up with my daughter, if it's something to do with my husband, they do look into that too, because it's a connection. You know, it's they know once they break my daughter's case, my husband's case is right there. They have that figured out. So, yeah. What do you think happened to Crystal? Do you think that she's still alive? Do you think that she was killed? What do you think? Um, I've never, from the minute my daughter went missing, thought that she was still alive. My husband told me one time, he said, Cherry, maybe they just took her. I said, well, what do you think they're going to do? Give her back? They're not going to give her back, you know? Um, I just never felt in my heart. I never gave up that little bit of hope. You know, and I told the kids, you don't ever give up that hope because miracles can happen. Uh, But I never felt like my daughter was here. What are the theories and what has been disproven and what is still possible in this case? Um... I think they pretty much know my daughter did not leave on her own. Uh, They pretty much know that there's been no communication, her credit card, her debit card, her phone, nothing. It's like she just disappeared from the face of the earth. Um, And I think they know that it's they're doing a murder investigation. And then you said that the only suspect that has ever been named a suspect is Brooks. So has he been investigated has he been questioned has he taken a lie detector has any of that taken place he was uh questioned at the police department uh during his questioning um his brother nick Hauk, which was a police officer for bargetown city police at the time he calls during the interview and tells brooke not to answer any more questions that they're trying to trip him up so brooks gets you know, upset. He's like, well, if you want me to stop right now, I'll stop right now. You just tell me what you want me to do. But that's, that's, and he did take a lie detectors. Brooks come back inclusive. And Nick Kalk, his brother, failed the lie detectors test. Is that the police officer? Yes, sir. His brother. Um, Has he ever been arrested in the case or? No, not yet. Um, 
The only person arrested in the case was Danny Singleton, and that was a guy that worked for Brooks Hauk. Um, Why was he, he arrested? He was arrested because of a grand jury. He went to the grand jury and he lied during the grand jury about things about my daughter. Do we the, know what he was lying about, what facts, or was, has that not come out? It's, they just told me that it was in reference to my daughter. They didn't give me the facts of what he lied about. And he spent like six months maybe in prison or in jail, and then he got, he got out. Wow. Okay. Um, and nothing else has happened in terms of that, like no other new information, right? No. Recently, there was some news with the case, right? Like this past fall. In August, the FBI spent seven days and they were searching the property. And they said there was reports that they discovered items that were sent to the FBI lab in Quantico, Virginia. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and, and what was what led up to that? Well, I assume you're referring to when the FBI searched the farm. See, the farm was searched probably like, I don't know, seven days maybe after my daughter went missing. Um, it's a big farm. I think it's like 250 acres, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they did it in one day. It poured down rain. I said, how did you search that farm when you had to sit in your car, you know, some of the time? Um, I didn't, I didn't understand that. I wasn't being mean or accusing anybody of anything, but I just didn't understand the investigation and how they could have did that properly with just that day. Um, but I but guess they... I think that there's also a new um, director that's been assigned to the case, and I was seeing some coverage also this past couple months where um, the director was saying this is going to be 199% solvable. And they had recently went to a property that Brooks had constructed. It was a home, and they dug up part of the backyard or the side of the home, and they actually had to spend like $28,000 in repairs um, yes. for this for this homeowner. So tell me about that, because that seems like that's the newest information possibly. And, and let me confirm, like when the FBI went out and searched the farm, they were there for a while. They took cadaver dogs. They did everything. Um, you know, they had better weather and all that for that. So they did do a thorough search of the farm. I felt very good about that. Um, as far as the home that they were investigating, um, that was in a neighborhood where Brooks was building lots of homes in that neighborhood when my daughter went missing. Uh, he was seen, you know, he would be over there late at night, um, working late at night. And they did dig up a whole yard that, you know, they don't give me details on why they did that, but they did that for a reason. And they did find some items of interest. Um, I don't know how that's went so far you know they don't they can't tell me everything and i understand that but they did dig up a whole yard i'm wondering if they had already done the technology where they can almost i'm simplifying this x-ray the ground in different areas and they can find anomalies and shapes of graves and things like that because um as, as we just stated um unfortunately we you know, you don't think that your daughter's with us no. um, and her body has not been found. I, I felt 
I was glad that they were in that neighborhood because, you know, like I said, he had a lot of homeschooling at the time. And I physically actually got hired someone to they have these machines that you can look at concrete, some kind of radar. I don't know what it's called, but I, I actually paid for that myself and got him to check, you know, a patio that he had poured on home just to make sure, you know, that she wasn't there. We didn't have any luck out of that. The cadaver dogs were kind of curious about the steps, but the machine I got does not go underneath the steps. So, you know, I don't know if that was just something that they were, I don't know. Yeah, because that would be um, several layers of concrete. Yeah. Um, that would be probably difficult to do. I think that, you know, personally, I, I hope that, you know, you continue to search the properties that he was building around that time and specifically areas where there was a concrete pour within a week of her disappearance. You know, my husband was very thorough. He called all the concrete companies and everything, you know, the weekend that my daughter went missing to see if Brooks had poured any kind of concrete, what he poured. We sent cadaver dogs in those areas. And, you know, we, we've been pretty thorough on our searches, but. Because your husband would know a lot of those companies too, because of the business that your family was in. Did he make those phone calls near the time where he was killed? Um, he had made those in the very beginning, uh, when my daughter first went missing. We even, we even went and searched graveyards. You know, we, we, we looked up everyone that may have been buried at the time my daughter went missing. And we went to those graveyards and took cadaver dogs just to make sure nothing was there. You know, we had to think out of the box and just anything that we thought where my daughter could be at. Where does the investigation go from here? What are you looking into and um, where does it go? The FBI are here. I've worked very, very hard. My husband worked very, very hard. My husband was so tired. Um, I remember seeing him once. He was just sitting, waiting for me to get ready and he looked exhausted, you know, and, and I thought he's killing himself doing this. and. We had to, you know, we didn't have a choice. And right now, the FBI is here, and that's what me and my husband wanted. That's what we worked for this whole time. And I'm very, very satisfied with the work they're doing. Um, do I wish it was quicker? Of course I do. But, you know, this is going to be a no-body homicide unless we find my daughter in the meantime. And it has to be done correctly with no flaws. So, yeah, do I have to be patient and wait? Yes, I do. And and it's hard. It's very, very difficult. So when they told you recently that um, the director believes or the investigators believe that it's 99% solvable, that, that must give you some hope. I have a lot of hope, <laughs> more than I've ever had, you know, since my daughter's been missing. What is um, your message for someone that may know something that can move this case along? You're never going to have closure, but you'll have answers. 
Yeah, well, I'm praying one day I'll have closure. Um, that's what I pray for. Um, and I don't give up on that. But for anybody out there that has any information, if they know what my family and my daughter's kids have been through, just get a heart, you know, have a heart. Call, call the FBI and report it and, you know, help us find justice for my daughter and my husband. And one of the reasons why um, you talk to people like me, and we were talking on the phone the other day, is you said that, um, first of all, putting the story out there, you know, puts pressure on people and hopefully someone will come forward after they hear you. But also, um, you'd like to thank the people that have been helping you. I'm, I'm very, very blessed with everyone that's reached out to me and my family. And you know, like, like I said, if my daughter, I, I'm sure she can see, but if she knows how many lives she has touched with this, um, so many people out there praying for her and I mean, I don't even have the words to thank them for that. Um, you know, everybody wants to do something to help. And I'm like, you know what? Prayers are my biggest thing right now because God does hear us. And and one day he's going to give me the answers that I need. I, I 100% believe that. Have you had any sort of messages from her? Do you think she talks to you? I do. You know, I used to until you've went through this yourself and you have experienced it yourself people can tell you stuff like that and you think oh is that really real but i have one time like i was this was right after she went missing and i was so upset i mean just like i was crying so hard and i we owned some storage units in town and i went up to my office that day and and i was all by myself so i was just really really upset and I open my office door, you know, and I have, the only furniture I have in there is just my desk. I have nothing like, I didn't at the time, like a couch or anything or pillows that would have something in it. And I opened the door and right on my rug was a white feather just laying there. And it had no dirt on it. So I'm like, if somebody packed it on their feet, wouldn't it have been dirty or muddy? It was perfectly solid white. and. I just felt a sense of ease come over me. And I just know that was for my daughter. Almost like an angel feather. Yes. I know that was sent from her. Um, I just felt it in my heart. Recently, the FBI has done more testing on Crystal's car and they're specifically asking for more surveillance tape from the popular Flats Road area from the 4th of July weekend Crystal went missing. You can learn more about the case and see pictures on my website, truecrimedeadline.com. And if you have any information related to the disappearance of Crystal Rogers or the other cases, please call the FBI tip line at 1-800-CALL-FBI and visit crystalrogerstaskforce.com. I have a link on my website. Investigators, until next time. 
Thank you for investigating True Crime Deadline with Matt Johnson. For more information about the podcast, visit truecrimedeadline.com. And remember, all tips regarding a case should go to the police. Until next time. This season dedicated to my best friend, my French bulldog, my crime-fighting canine, Mr. Gatsby, who is now in doggy heaven. From both of us, please hug your pet tonight. Mr. Gatsby, want a cookie? Good boy. Now a post-episode shout-out to investigators who wrote reviews on Apple Podcasts. Again, writing reviews really helps independent podcasts like this one get noticed. We're up against networks, studios, TV channels, so thank you. It's easy, it's free. Hit 5-star, hit subscribe, tell a friend, write a review. And include your real name, your podcast name, if you're a podcaster, because I want to give you a proper shout-out like this. This one comes from Partners in Crime Podcast. They write, Hey, just listen to a couple of your episodes, and we like how you present your podcast on actual crimes that you report on. Having first-hand experience is pretty awesome. Also, we started a podcast called Partners in Crime, where we talk about true crime and paranormal. The host is Maddie and Dana, and we both love and tune into your podcast. Heart emoji, heart emoji. Well, I heart you back. And um, investigators, I want you to check out their podcast. That's awesome. And if you like it, let me know. Maybe they'll be on as a, a guest sometime. We'll figure it out. Investigators, until next time. What is so ironic is Brooks Hout got another girlfriend and her name is Crystal. And she's blonde, you know, tall, built kind of like my daughter. And I'm like, it's <laughs> how ironic is that?